Well, this was my first week back after about a two-month sabbatical. Um, it, it was an okay week to come back. I mean, not a lot was happening, you know, like not a big deal, just like water slides, pies in the face, uh, visits from Star Wars characters, you know, just regular work week stuff. Um, it was an awesome week to come back to. Actually, during my renewal leave, I realized that uh, the best part of my job is that my kids kids absolutely love it here. I mean, they, they, they adore this church. When I was on renewal leave for the last uh, eight weeks or so, um, you know, we just decided like as a family, we need to kind of uh, disconnect um, uh, completely. Uh, and my kids absolutely hated it. They, they hated it. Every Saturday night, they would ask uh, my wife and I, they would say, uh, are, are we going to church tomorrow? We'd say, well, yeah, we are, but it's not like our church. We're not going to our church. And just the look of disappointment on their faces. They, they wanted to be here. It's not that they didn't want to go to other churches. It's not that the other churches were bad or their children's ministries were, were bad. Um, it's true that they're not as good as ours. Um, that's just facts. Um, but but my kids, they, they love it here. They, they want to be here. And, and I know uh, my kids right now, they're, they're six and eight years old. I, I know that the season won't last forever. When they hit that tween teenage years, they're not going to be ready to jump out of bed on Sunday morning and, and come to church. Um, and so we came back uh, last week and... Um, uh, you know, we made up for all the time lost uh, through VBS. We were here every single day and they showed up this morning without too much kicking and screaming. Um, but, but the reason why they love it here is not just because, you know, they got friends and there's goldfish upstairs and all of that stuff, but they love it here because they experience God's love. And not only do they learn about God's love, but they experience God's love through the local church. And it feels like as parents that we have a partner in our parenting. And so they had... Um, they had a great week at VBS. Everybody had a great week at VBS. It's, it's a huge week for us here at the church. It takes a lot of volunteers to pull it off, but we don't just settle for pulling it off. We, we want to do it with excellence, and I think, I think that we do that every single year. We, we make sure that VBS isn't just something that's, that's on the calendar, on the church's calendar, on a family's calendar, but it's something that's actually memorable. It's something that's taken to heart, and, and why do we do that? Why do we invest so much into this week and, and all that we do every single week, but especially Vacation Bible School? Why do we do that? Well, it's because we, we've decided as a church that we're determined to invest in the next generation of Jesus followers. And, and let me say, if we're going to do that, we need more help. And so just a warning of where I'm going today. I'm going to try to use every method of persuasion that I have in my toolbox uh, to get you to invest in the next generation, in, in our kids, in our community, in kids around the world, more and more of you to step up and say, count me in. But before I turn on the persuasion, uh, let me just give us a, a little story. Um, so background to this, the, the early church, uh, just weeks after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, ascended into heaven, the early church was faced with a dilemma. In fact, they were faced with, well, many dilemmas, um, but they were being persecuted by the Jewish religious leaders um, 
and the Roman Empire. The early church, this Jesus movement, it, it kept growing and growing and growing all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just the church kept growing more and more people every single day. And so what would happen is um, the, the religious leaders, the Roman Empire, they thought the way to solve this is we're just going to throw all these Christians in prison. And so they did. Like every day you read through the book of Acts, like, oh, somebody else is in prison. Somebody else is in prison. Somebody else is in prison. And when that wasn't enough, they would flog these early Christians for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, meaning that they would beat these early Christians with whips. You know, the scorpion, the cat of nine tails, beat them with whips so that they were permanently scarred for the rest of their lives. They thought, surely this will squash the Jesus movement, but in fact, it only made it stronger and stronger. And so there was this explosive growth in the early church, but with that became explosive uh, challenges because you had all of these people coming into the city of uh, Jerusalem uh, to be a part of this Jesus movement. But the problem was all of these people were now staying in town. And so restaurants were running out of food, places were running out of rooms. And, and the early Christians, they, they tried to open up their homes so that all these travelers could come in, stay with them, get a meal. But it was, it was just so much. It was overwhelming. They, they didn't have the capacity to care for all of these people. It became unmanageable. And specifically, it created a food shortage problem. And so here's where our story picks up. It comes from the book of Acts uh, chapter 6. It, it says this. It says, about that time, while the number of disciples continued to increase, a complaint arose. There were Greek-speaking disciples accused the Aramaic-speaking disciples uh, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily of food service. Now, a little bit of background for this complaint. You had all of these Jewish Christians uh, who lived in and around Jerusalem who were now kind of converting to this way of Jesus, and they spoke Aramaic, which is kind of like Hebrew. Um, so they're there. And, but then you had all these other people who lived outside of Jerusalem, they lived in Greek-speaking cities. They, they were Hellenistic. And so you had uh, these different cultures, uh, these different parts of the world, these different languages. They're now coming together as one. But there's great need. And so the church decides, look, we, we got to do something about this. We got to care for those who, who really need our care and attention. And, and those who really need that are the widows. And so uh, the church decides we, we need to provide daily food for the widows here. And this is just a perfect picture of what the church should look like. They're preaching and teaching the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, and, and they're caring for people that need to be cared for most. This is what the church is all about. But because these Greek out-of-towners weren't as connected, um, so these Greek-speaking Jesus followers, uh, these, these widows that lived outside of Jerusalem, they weren't as connected. Uh, they were being kind of overlooked, and they weren't being fed as, as quickly or as adequately as the Aramaic-speaking uh, followers of Jesus. This wasn't so much a discrimination problem as much as it was a distribution problem, because the growth had just overwhelmed their system. And well, 
they didn't have a system in place to feed this many people. And so what was happening was that the apostles, uh, the 12 that followed Jesus, Matthew, John, Peter, James, them, um, they, they were trying to do everything. They were trying to preach and teach and serve the food, make sure everyone got fed timely and adequately and all of that stuff, but they just can't do everything. And so they did and installed what churches have been doing ever since. They called a meeting. You ever been to a church meeting? They're the worst. Okay, so this is, this is what happens. Uh, verse, verse two, it says, the 12 called a meeting of all of the disciples and said, it isn't right for us to set aside proclaiming the proclamation of God's word in order to serve tables. Now here's, here's not what they're saying. They're, they're not saying, look, we're, we're better than, you know, being waiters and waitresses, serving, serving these poor widows. Like we walked with Jesus, we're a big deal. That, that's not what they're saying at all. They're fine serving food to widows, but they just can't do everything. And they're the ones that are uniquely positioned to teach and preach about Jesus. I mean, they walked with him for, for three years straight. They, they just can't do everything. Both are good, both are essential, but there's, there's got to be a better way. So the story goes on. Verse three, the, the, the 12 apostles, they say, brothers and sisters, they're addressing the church in this meeting, carefully choose seven well-respected men from among you. They must be well-respected and endowed with the spirit with exceptional wisdom. We will put them in charge of this concern. As for us, the apostles, we will devote ourselves to prayer and service of proclaiming the word. And then watch this. And then a miracle takes place. It says this proposal pleased the entire community, <laughs> meaning the entire church agreed on this. This has never happened since then. This was like a one and done thing, I, I think. But the entire church said, yeah, this is a good idea. We're all on board. And, and now here's, here's what they did. It says they selected Stephen a man endowed by the Holy Spirit with exceptional faith, Philip, Prochorus, uh, Nicantor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. The community presented these seven to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them. Uh, all of these men were Greek speaking, which is just kind of genius, very wise of the early church to choose the Greek speaking men uh, to then go and care for these Greek speaking widows who are being overlooked. So they, they selected them, they laid hands on them, sent them out, say, okay, you go take care of those who need to be cared for. And then what do you think happened next? I mean, logically, we, we would assume that uh, the Greek-speaking widows were fed. Surely that would happen as a result of this. What's interesting is that <laughs> the Bible doesn't even mention that, though. Here's, here's what Luke, the author of the book of Acts, tells us. This was the result of them selecting these people, this whole process that they went through. Here's, here's the result of that. Verse 7, it says, God's word continued to grow. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased significantly. Even large groups of priests embraced the faith. Translation here, because... Because the church made service just as important as preaching and teaching the ways and the message of Jesus, the church just continued to grow. 
continue to just explode. And it says even a large number of priests, those, those are the Jewish leaders who are working in the temple. The very people that had Jesus crucified just weeks prior to this, those who are the most opposed to this Jesus movement, they're now the champions of it. And what did all of this have to do with serving food? Well, one thing leads to another. These these seven men were chosen to serve food to these poor out-of-town widows. And they, they did what needed to be done in the moment, and it fueled a movement. And friends, that's, that's why we are here today. They, they did a seemingly insignificant task, serving food. They, they did what needed to be done in the moment, but it fueled the movement. And now it's our turn. And we don't just need seven of you. We'll take seven, gladly take seven of you. But we need, we need everybody in this. And, and I, know, I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, especially after the week that we just had. And, and if you were here this week, you, feel, you might feel like this ask that I'm, I'm about to give, uh, it feels so untimely uh, because you're like, hey, I was here all week. Um, I, I know, I know, I get that. I get that, I, I hear it. But also, let's, let's build on this momentum. This week, starting Wednesday, uh, we have Youth Week, which, which every day, Wednesday onward, we're going to have something for our teenagers, our, our middle school and high school students. Let's, let's pour into them. Let's support them just as much as we did our children during vacation Bible school. But, but not only that... <laughs> In every area of our church, in, in whatever is going on, whether it's serving a meal to the homeless through our Doug Brown Street Ministry or, or helping with teachers' appreciation breakfast to Dunedin Middle School or, or just cleaning up the campus or, or whatever it is, we need you. And, and I'll, also, I'll also say this, those of you who, who are at home watching this online, I'm so glad that our church is able to, to live stream and broadcast this. And, and it's so convenient and it's so easy to stay at home. I, I know, I get that. But we need some of you that are at home, we need some of you here. And it's less convenient, but it's more strategic. It's, it's less convenient, but it's more strategic for you to be involved in a local church. We need you to come back. And the truth is probably is that you need you to come back. That perhaps it's time for you to inconvenience yourself for something that's greater than just yourself. And for all of us, perhaps it's time that we inconvenience ourselves for something greater than ourselves. And if you do, if you do, here's what I can promise you. I promise you this. There will be no flogging, okay? No flogging. I can't promise you'll get your food on time, but I can promise we have a very strict no flogging uh, policy here. Because listen, 
All that God asks us to do, in light of all that God has given us, all that God asks us to do is to contribute to a local church and not just be consumers of it. Then when we are invited to follow Jesus, we are invited to contribute something and not just consume. The reason that all of us are here today is because a group of Jesus followers over over a century ago decided to do something in the moment to fuel a movement. And everything that you see here, everything that we do here is because they gave. They inconvenienced themselves. They gave of their time. They gave of their money. They gave of their skills and their abilities. And now it's our turn. And so we need your time. And yes, we need your money. And we need your skills and we need your abilities and we need all of that so that we can be the church for the next generation and continue to do what God has called us to do here in Dunedin. If everyone will do a little bit, we can do a whole lot. And so let me say this next part. Um, this, is not, this is not hyperbole, but, but let's just take a hypothetical. I mean, this happens, this happens every week. Let's take hypothetical. Let's say next week, a mom, a dad shows up they, they bring their kids to, to Main Street. They're, they're part of worship here. And they just, they just hope that we get it right. That they, they hope that we as a local church get it right. The, the week after that, a, a mom will show up, some more kids in tow, this time with a husband. And she's, she's just hoping that, that after the service is over, they're driving home. She's hoping that one of the kids is going to say, Mom, can we go back to that place next week? And she's, she's hoping that her husband will tolerate it just enough to agree to come back. And maybe, maybe the husband, maybe the wife, you know, they, they used to be a part of a local church, but, but since then they've kind of deconstructed their faith because the version of Christianity that they were given needed to be deconstructed, Me, meaning the, the version of the gospel, the good news, wasn't actually good news for all people, and they just kept getting, you know, simple answers for life's difficult problems, and, and now... Now they're looking for a local church that looks like the church in Jerusalem where they're teaching the good news of Jesus with the world and they're sharing the goodness of God with everyone. That's my generation. A generation that has left the church because they're convinced that the church has left Jesus and they're looking for a church like the one we find in Acts. Let's say the following week, some more parents show up. This time, they've got a middle schooler. And they head to our youth program on on Sunday night. And the the student really doesn't want to be there, but the parents are just praying like, God, my my kid really needs this. The kid doesn't want to be there. Kids may be a little nervous, whatever it might be. And then one person shows up and, and is determined to make it their mission that, that that teenager cracks a smile before the end of the night. We, we have the ability to be the answer to these prayers of parents, of grandparents. And, and, and let, me, let me ask you, if it was your daughter, if it was your son, if it was your grandkids, what, what would you want them to experience when they got here? 
you would want it to be amazing, right? And it's not going to be any more amazing than we have amazing people serving. And so to to those of you who get this, to, to those of you who were here this last week, you did silly hand motions with the kids. You, you sit crisscross applesauce on the floor with kids. You play silly, messy games with youth on Sunday nights. All of that, you, you show up early, you stay late, you give to support the ministries that we have here. I just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I know I'm preaching to a very large choir today. I, I get that. None of this would be possible without you. But to those of you who have grown content to, to just consume and not contribute, let me say, that's fine. I, I mean, if that's, if that's the way it's going to be, that, that's fine because that's who we are as a church. We're modeled after the life of Jesus who gave everything, gave his whole life away for free. That, that's fine. We're still going to be the church here for you, whether you're with us or not. But, but maybe, maybe it's time for you to inconvenience yourself for the sake of something that's greater than just yourself. So church, come on, let's, Let's do this. The church changed the world once before. And I believe that we can still do that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of community. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of of the generations that have gone before us, of people who have put in their time and their resources. God, those who have put in blood and sweat and tears and heartache. We don't take that lightly that we stand on their shoulders and we are grateful for them. God, we ask that you would give us the courage to continue to be that church, a a church that, that proclaims the good news that you have given us and a church that, that cares for the people that need it most. God, help us, help us to be that church pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.